Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to the Revolutionary Podcast, where I'm here to help you find Jesus and follow him. He asks the question, what is the source of the wars and the fighting and the wrestling and the striving among you? Don't they come from your inner passions that wage war within you? You desire and you don't have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it in your pleasures. So this is a part of what James talks about in regarding wrestling with our prayers, which is the title of today's sermon, wrestling with our prayers. And he says here, why do you wrestle so much? Why do you struggle in your prayers? Because you pray selfish prayers. Like you pray for God to just do things so that you can benefit, so that you can be blessed. And that is a problem. Notice what he says there. He says, what causes us to be selfish in nature? We struggle. Notice he says, you ask and ask and don't get. You ask and you don't obtain. You covet. You know what that means? That there's something that you really, really, really want, but you never get it. All right? It's, it's always that carrot at the end of the stick right out of reach, and you can't get it. And what happens? You get frustrated. And so you fight with yourself. You struggle internally, and you even that overflows in your struggle with other people people. But in the end, what's the problem? It's not that God's not listening or God's not just. The problem is we are the problem, right? Recognizing that. James is trying to see that. And so, and the reason why I titled today's sermon Wrestling in Prayer is because we are going to look at an Old Testament figure on how not only he wrestled internally in prayer, but also externally so that we can see how to resolve that conflict, how to be able to alter that. Because one of the biggest problems with people's prayers is, again, maybe not so much the words that they're saying, but it's the reason, the hope, the motivation behind it. And so today, you're going to enter into, we're all going to enter into the arena. We're all going to get inside the wrestling match inside of the gym. And uh, let's see how it's going to end out today, okay? So, and the person that we're going to talk about today is found in the book of Genesis. So last week we talked about in the book of Hebrews, we said, for those of us that were here, we talked about how in the New Testament he was talking and sharing on really the whole point. He was encouraging the Jewish people who were struggling in their faith. They were being persecuted in their faith. And you're like, you know what? I think we need to just go back to Judaism because this is so difficult. And all the author of Hebrews was saying is there is nothing better than Jesus. In fact, he highlighted and said, what are you going back to? Because the true heart of our, the true heart of our faith, the true heart of the Old Testament scriptures all pointed to Jesus anyways. That was the whole point of it. And so what we're going to do over the next four weeks is we're going to look at Old Testament verses, Old Testament sections, and we're going to learn to read, not only, you know, gain a lot out of it, but ultimately find Christ in it and why that matters today. And so we're going to look all the way at the beginning in the book of Genesis, all right? Now, anybody know what the Genesis means? Anybody heard of that, the implications? Online, let's see who's the first one to guess it. So anybody? 
beginning, in the beginning, all right? Now, the Genesis, the way we read it, is the Greek word. And it is a Greek word that talks about uh, origins, but the, the Hebrew, in the beginning, is actually the first line of the book of Genesis. That's the name of it. It is in the beginning of God's creation, in the beginning of God's creating. Now, what's super cool about Genesis, guys, which is why so many people, so many scholars, so many of those who want to attack the Christian faith, they put a big emphasis on Genesis because Genesis is our story. Genesis is history, right? And what's crazy is that the, the book of Genesis covers more time than every other book of the Bible combined. I mean, there's a lot in here. There's a lot in the book of Genesis. And the reason why history is important because history determines your identity. All right. I mean, guys, have you not heard? If we, I mean, can we learn at least from history ourselves how many is it? it was Stalin, Hitler, all of these guys when they all, when they always focus on what altering history, rewriting history. Why? Because they said if those if you can rewrite history, you can control people in the present. It's always a big deal. Notice, and so history matters. What happened matters because it it provides our identity. And what's uh, one thing that we see already in the book of Genesis is that everything, everything that is unpacked in every other book of the Bible, guys, is introduced in the book of Genesis. Every every idea, every theology, every doctrine, every this, everything important is found there. And one of the most essential things in the book of Genesis that we see is this pattern right here. It is God revealing himself to people and then their response. All right? God, the people could not get to him. This is God coming down and revealing himself to people so that they can respond. And we're going to look at one person that God revealed, and we're going to look at his multiple responses. His name is Jacob. All right, so you can see on the, it's on the title screen. Jacob is an interesting guy. Jacob is a complicated dude. I don't know if anyone's heard of the story of Jacob. Yes or no? A couple? All right, this is going to be fun. I got to give you a little introduction to the dude because it's not, what's going to happen at this moment is not going to make sense if we don't. So here's a little backstory on Jacob. Jacob's story actually takes up half of Genesis. Starting in Genesis 25 all the way to 50, Jacob's story is very, very important for that, all that information there. Now, he is the third in line, all right? I mean, there is the, his grandfather, Abraham, father Isaac, and then Jacob. And so this is an interesting thing because, see, Jacob was the son of promise. God goes and in his revealing himself to creation, revealing himself to people, he gets finally to this point, and there's this one man, Abraham, and he says, I, Abraham, I'm going to choose you, not because he was better than anyone else necessarily, but Abraham recognized and realized there is nothing better than Christ. There's nothing better than God. And he is called the father of our faith for a lot of different reasons, because he did so much and trusted in the Lord without the understanding that we have when we look at Jesus and all this stuff. And so that was his granddaddy. And God promised Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son and you will have as many descendants as the stars of the sky, sand, and right, all that you've known the story. But Abraham is close to 100 years old, and he still don't got a kid. And he's like, you know what? I'm tapped out, bro. I'm like, I don't know what the, it's, it's over, right? And then God resurrects, literally resurrects Abraham and his 99-year-old wife. They have a child. It's Isaac. And so that's it. And now he had some others and so, but, and then it passes on to Isaac. And then Isaac is the same. He holds on to that promise. He knows who he is. He knows his history. He knows his identity. He knows his God. And then he has not just one child, he has twins. 
All right, anybody here twins? Got the twins running in the family? All right, a few. All right, I have uh, some on our side. Yeah. And so he has twins, and Jacob is one of the twins. He is the second one to be born. Now, it's interesting because while she's pregnant, all right, there are, is, there's literally a wrestling match going on. Anybody got siblings who like to, you know, really like the horseplay and stuff like that, right? That's that just kind of a thing, right? When you got your, your uh, siblings and you do that, and, you know, me and my brother used to practice uh, WWE wrestling moves. We would come up with different finishers and whatnot. That's what we would do, all right? Um, and so these twins are wrestling inside, and God reveals to the mother, saying there are not just two babies, there's two nations inside of you. And, and he, she, God reveals something interesting. He says, the younger will serve the older. That's a weird one. Because in ancient times, guys, listen, if you were the firstborn, man, you had it good. If you, anybody firstborn here? I'm one. All right. Couple, couple. There it is. Only child counts, I guess. That's fine. Yeah. So, right. I was the, I was the first. And so if you were the firstborn, especially firstborn son, you got a double, you got a double blessing. So whatever the inheritance was, you got half, all right? Man, I was like, man, I grew up in the wrong age. And so right, you got half of it, and everyone else had to split it, regardless how many siblings that was. And so God makes this revelation, the second will serve the older. And the mom's like, okay. And see, God is now hinting to things in, in this pattern of there will be one day the second will rule the older. Just like Adam, we see in the book of Romans and stuff that there was the first Adam and then the, a second Adam would come. That was Jesus, who he would fix and do what the other could not do. And so there's a, this little hint in there. But this guy, the wrestling match, I mean, he did not want to let go. And to the point that when the first one was born, some of you know the story, the first one is born. And, and as he's coming out, the other one has him by the ankle lock. And he comes out with his grip on the ankle. Like, well, that's a weird one if I would have seen that. But Jacob, guys, from his inside, before he was born, he was a wrestler. He was a fighter from the very beginning. And his name means heel grabber. It, Jacob means heel grabber. It means fighter. It means cheater, manipulator. It's a, it's a complicated word. Because, see, in Hebrew culture, guys, your name explains your nature. That's who you are. That's why God has so many names, because each name rep reflects his nature. And so Jacob grows up, and he is true to form, all right? He is constantly fighting with his brother. He, ha he has these fights with his dad. You know, there's some conflict there. You know, Isaac is, uh, you know, yeah, he, he's a believer, but yet he's, you know, he plays his favorites with his kids. He likes the older one more, and the mama takes over after the baby. It's a little complicated. But at one point, we see Jacob multiple times deceiving, manipulating, deceiving and manipulating. First, his older brother. He deceives and gets his older brother. doesn't deceive him. He manipulates him in saying, because he was a good cook. Jacob was a cook. And he says, hey, man, give me your birthright, and I will give you a bowl of soup. Trade me your birthright for a bowl of soup. What's ridiculous is that the mom knows the younger is supposed to receive the blessing anyways. And so here's Jacob, impatient, not wanting to wait for his blessing to come to him. He's going to go get it himself. You see that? Heel grabber. He is trying to get the blessing of God before it happens. Guys, can, I mean, I'm sure some of us, all right, we've had those moments in which we know we kind of, we want to do God's job for him, and we kind of mess it up a little bit, don't we? That's exactly what Abraham did, but that's another story. And so, that's, he learned it from his parents. And so, he manipulates it, he gets the birthright that was going to be his anyways, but he, he's messing with his brother. And then at one point, Isaac is going to die, and Isaac is going to bless 
Esau, his brother Esau, and he knows he's supposed to get it, but instead he wants to manipulate the scenario. Isaac is old, he's blind. And so Jacob goes and he enters in the room pretending to be Esau. He covers himself because Esau was super hairy. This guy was super smooth. Jacob did not have a lot of hair on him. And so he gets the animal skin and he puts all this fur on him and he walks in and he's trying to pretend to be Esau. In fact, Isaac says, hey, who is that? Well, who is, who is that? Well, what's your name? Oh, dad, it's me, Esau. You sound like Jacob. All right, come, but, but no, it's me, man, it's Esau. And so he goes this whole thing, and Isaac believes it. He buys the lie. So now do you see, you see Jacob manipulating even his father. And he goes and he buys the lie, and then Isaac blesses Jacob. And he receives the blessing that God said was his anyways, but he wants to, and so he gets it. He takes off. Esau finds out what happens. Isaac finds out what happens. Everyone's now, and so Esau literally makes this vow. The day my father dies, so will my brother at my hand. It's like, I'm going to kill him. I know we've probably said that many times to different people, but I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill these kids. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill my brother. No, he meant it. And so Isaac runs. He leaves the promised land. All right, which is an interesting detail. He leaves a promised land, and on his way there, he encounters God for the first time. Some of you might know the story. Have you maybe seen Jacob's Ladder? Anyone heard of that story before? This is the first time that God opens up Jacob's eyes, and he's having an encounter with the Lord, and he's, he's sleeping in this place, I think it's Bethel, and, and he's, he, his head is on a pillow on a rock, and then he looks And he sees heaven open, and there's a ladder that connects the two, and then up and down are these angels, and he's looking, and then he makes this declaration, this must be the gateway of heaven. And then he makes this kind of like prayer declaration, God, you know, if if you do this, and if you do that, and and, and, and if you fall, you know, faithful to me, I'll be faithful to you, yada, 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 yada. Okay. He goes on, finds the girl of his dreams. Name is Rachel. Girl of his dreams, all right? To use a, use a Gen Z millennial term, she was a baddie, okay? All right? She was a baddie, all right? Rachel was that. And he was head over heels because, remember, who is this man? He has no family, you know, kind of an orphan now, a little floating orphan to a certain extent. He has no family. His, fa- you know, his father's mother, his brother wants to kill him. He's all alone. He has nothing. He has no one. And then he sees, oh, if I could have her, if I could have the woman of my dreams, oh, I would be someone. I, I can be somebody. I will be fulfilled. And so he worked seven years, and then Jacob got a little taste of his own medicine as Rachel's father deceives the deceiver. And so now he gets the, he's on the other end of the deception. He, they get him drunk, and he sleeps with the sister, not with Rachel. And now he's stuck, all right? He has technically married the wrong one, and so he has to serve another seven years for that girl. So now here he has two wives. One's gorgeous, one, <laughs> according to the Bible. So literally, it says she had tired eyes, meaning, listen, Rachel got all the looks, and she got nothing left over, okay? It was like that. It was night and day. Night and day difference between the two. And now here he is. Here's the situation. So what is he going to do? I'm going to make the best of it. And so he goes and even kind of has this interesting thing. And, and he ends up 
pretty much taking almost all of the riches of the father-in-law through this conniving, not conniving, but smart ingenuity. I mean, and when it's all said and done, he's the one that's running the show. He's the one that got all the money, not the father-in-law. And now Jacob wants to leave. He wants to go back home. He needs to go back home. But he's scared. Remember, what happened the last time he was leaving, guys? Why did he leave to begin with? You tell me. His brother wanted to kill him. Hasn't been back since. He's like, now I think it's the time. I, th- I think I need, I need to go back home. Th- this isn't happening anymore. I can't. So they go and they leave. And now we're, gonna, we're, get, we're getting close to picking up the story where we're in chapter 32 of Genesis. And it's in this moment in chapter 22. He's on his way. And in verse, let's go, let's look at this, all right? Now, here's what Jacob does. On his way home, Jacob prepares. Let's read chapter 32, verses 6 and 8, all right? When he sent messengers to Esau to say, hey, brother, I'm coming home. When these messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau. Oh, he's coming to meet you. And he has 400 men with him. He has 400 men with him. Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people with him into two camps, along with the flocks and the herds and the camels. He thought if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, the remaining one can escape. All right, so he's like, yo, my brother has not forgotten. It has been almost 20 years, by the way, since he deceived his brother and his brother claimed to kill him. 20 years. And so he says, no, 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 man. And so he's not just going to come after me. He's bringing an army to come get me. And so he, what is he doing? Very Jacob. Do you see the manipulation? Do you see the strategy? Do you see, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? That's all, all Jacob has done his whole life is, how can I end up on the right side of this equation in the blessing? That's it. How can I do this? All right, so I'm going to divide the camp. I'm going to divide my, all, all my money, all my, my, my family into two camps. One is going to be the decoy that if he gets them, tough luck, I'm out, I'm on this side. Guys, he was even willing to sacrifice certain elements of his family. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure we would know which one of the wives was going to go in that one, you know. And so, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. And so, he was, he, look at, but look how selfish, do you see how selfish he is? Yes or no? Selfish. How can I end up on the right side of this? So, he's preparing for this. Now, it's at this moment that he prays. Let's read his prayer, 9 verse 12. Then Jacob says, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, remember, he had, he's, he's had this encounter with God. The Lord who said to me, go back to your land. And he's had another encounter which God telling him, go home. Go back to your land and to your family. And I, God says, I will cause you to prosper Jacob replies back, I am unworthy of this kindness and faithfulness you have shown me, your servant. Indeed, I crossed over the Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two camps. You know, why? Because, so please, rescue me. Save me from whom? Esau. Save me from my brother Esau, for I am afraid of him. Otherwise, he may come and attack me, my mother, the mothers and their children. And you have said, now he's, now he's talking back to God, you have said, I will cause you to prosper and I will make you an offspring like the sand of the sea, too numerous to count. So he knows now the promise that from Abraham and Isaac is, is his promise too. God wants to do that in his life. And so do you, there's a lot of cool things in that prayer. Do you guys catch it? How many already? Do you see a little bit of the humility? I am, not, I am unworthy. 
I, I am, uh, I, he is recognizing it is God who has blessed him up until this point. He obviously believes God, that he does exist. And he's saying, God, you promised that you're going to do something through me. So no way my brother's going to kill me and, so, and, and kill my offspring if you said I'm going to prosper in this way. And so he prays these things. And if you looked at that prayer on the surface, guys, it looks like a great one. But there was an interesting detail that you might have missed at the beginning. Let me read verse 9. God of my father Abraham, God of my father Jacob, God of my father, God of my father Abraham, and the God of my father Isaac. He does not address God as his God yet. Up until this point, the God, the Lord God, is not Jacob's God. He's not my God. God of my fathers, God of my grandfather. Help me. I'm scared of my big brother. Save me. Rescue me. Again, do you even see a little bit of the almost using God? So that he can benefit? Does he want a relationship with God? He just wants the blessing that's coming. He wants all of them kids. He wants the promise. He, he wants to not die. And so it's at this moment when he prayed. By the way, interesting, if you read the next thing, you know what he does after he prays? Doesn't show faith in God. He goes back to the plan of how to, all right, you guys are this camp. You guys are this camp. Here's where we're going to go. And so at this point, after he prayed, after he prepared, the scripture says that Jacob fought. Now, this is the wrestling match. You ready for this? Let's look at it. Let's read verse, chapter 32, verse 22 and 24. Let's read this one. And so, during the night, during the night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two slaves, and his 11 children, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. The Jabbok River, guys, you know what that means? It means emptying. Watch, that's going to be interesting. And during the night, Jacob got up, took us to, I'm sorry, I read that. He took them, sent them across to the stream, along with all of his possessions. Verse 24. Jacob was left, who? What is it? Alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. All right? So, out of nowhere, Jacob just needed to be by himself. And it's interesting what time of the day it is. It's at night. It's in the middle of the night at its darkest moment, and he's all alone. Guys, what's going to happen here, this physical thing, which is interesting. I mean, do we, could, did he think that Esau had a sneak attack on him at night? And I'm like, oh, no, not like this, not like this. And it's going down like right now, and then he, you know, this is, it's him, and so he's fighting for his life. We don't know if he, who he thought it was. We don't know who he thought he was. All we know is that this guy picked a fight with him in the middle of the night. He doesn't know who he is, and he is fighting him this whole time. Now, this literally happened, but this is also symbolic, you're going to see, of Jacob's entire life. Jacob has been in the dark, wrestling, fighting, striving his whole life. And so here, here's an individual who has now picked a fight with him. And he's, by the way, um, a little interesting detail. J Jacob at this point is 97. Almost the age that his grandfather Abraham was when he had his dad Isaac. So this old man, this old man got some juice, all right? He got old man, old man strength, okay? And so he is fighting him at 97 years old. And here's who the person is. Now, some of you, this might be a little confusing, but when we look at this, we know who that person is. You're going to see it in a minute. It's Jesus. It's God himself. 
Now, Jesus, in many times, and even in Genesis, has these moments in which he shows up. And he doesn't show up the way he did, like Christmas Jesus. We're talking about Operation Christmas Child, where Jesus was truly a man and truly God, truly man. But God comes down, Jesus comes down, and is, it takes the form of a man, but is not truly one yet. And so there's elements of this in Genesis that it happens. By the way, if you ever read the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, that, hey, that's Jesus. The angel of the Lord, the commander of the armies. That is the Lord of hosts. That's Jesus. Anytime you read it. So here's Jesus picking a fight with Jacob in the middle of the night. Now, let's look at the next one because I'm just going to spoil it for you. You ready? Jacob lost. All right, Jacob lost. Let's look at how Jacob lost. Let's read verse 25. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket and they wrestled and as he wrestled and he dislocated his hip. All right, that, that was, a, that was, a, that was the, the losing blow, all right? That was the knockout punch. Now, at least an interesting because I just told you, wait a minute, who's fighting here, guys? Who's the one fighting Jacob? Who is it? What did this just say? Jesus could not beat him? Jesus couldn't take this 97-year-old man? Now, that's, you gotta, I know the English is kind of weird, but when I looked at that, because that was confusing to me. And so I, I was wrestling with this statement. I was like, come on, Jesus, what's going on? But when you look at it, the phrase means not that he could not because God was unable to, but it was a restraint, all right? The way that he was fighting Jacob was in the same way a, an adult is going to fight their toddler, all right? I have an epic... Um, I have an epic melee on one of our, I think Alicia, I think it's on your phone, when the kids, um, all three of my kids are super, they're young, they're baby, and they're fighting me all at the same time. They got their Ninja Turtle stuff, and JJ has Thor's hammer, and I mean, he's like swinging hard. I mean, dude swing hard. Like, and so they're all like really going at it, and I'm like wrestling with them, but pretending to, oh no, no, not this, no, you know, and so I'm making them interesting, right? But at any moment, I could just, all three of them, one shot. You know, I could have squashed all three of them at any moment. When we play sports and basketball, when we play football, you know, I, I don't go hard I, the way that I can because why? I'm going to pummel them. And so I, I let them, I, I make it competitive, all right? Parents, you know what I'm talking about. We've done this. We've done this. That's God. Jesus is having this wrestling match. Now all my kids are like, now they're rethinking their whole history. Oh my gosh, wait, no, I beat you. I know that. That was, that was all me, man. That was all me. No, don't take this away from me, please. Okay, Jacob, so Jesus is holding back. He can take him out at any moment, but he's not. And we see that, why? Because in one touch of his hip, all right, out it goes. And so we see the strength is there to take him out. And so at the right moment, at the right time, he pops his hip out. Pops his hip out. That, it, it's over. He lost. But at the same time, you're going to see Jacob, though he lost the match, Jacob won. Look at the next couple verses here, 26 and 27. Then he, being Jesus, says to Jacob, let me go for it is daybreak. Time's up. Time is up. The sun is coming up. It is daybreak. But Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Stop. That already says Jacob at some point in the fight realized this isn't Esau. This isn't just anyone. 
he realized that the God that he had encountered at Bethel with his head on a rock 20 years earlier, the God who told him to come here is the one that is picking a fight with him. And he realizes and he's starting to recognize you're not just anyone, you are God. And so look what he says. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Verse 27, what is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said, for it will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Or another phrase, and have won. So how does Jacob end up the winner Though he got pinned one, two, three, over. How is he declared the win? This is a controversial ending. But it's on purpose. So guys, what we see here is this. Look, whatever, when that, the blow that knocked his hip out opened up Jacob's eyes. And he realized who he's wrestling with, who it is, and that it is the Lord. And so now, even though his hip is out, did you see what is Jacob doing? clinging on. He is no longer wrestling with this man. He is now holding on for dear life. He is holding on. That's why, that's why Jesus says, let me go. It's over. He says, no. No, 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 no. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Earlier, what was his prayer? Rescue me from Esau. But now what is he saying? Bless me. Now time out. Has God not blessed him so far? Did we not just hear his prayer say, how you have blessed me. I am unworthy of all this. Did he mean it? I don't know. Maybe he kind of did. Maybe he didn't. It sounded like he was kind of schmoozing God to a certain extent. I don't know. But look at this man, guys. He is blessed, isn't he? He has money. He has riches. He has a business. I mean, a dude has it all. He got the girl. He has the career. He has the girl. He has the kids. What else is he missing? Other than the fact that at this moment in his life, Jacob actually realized none of these material things and relational things, none of it matters. It, none of it can satisfy my soul. Rescue me. Help me from me. Help me from this. He realizes that all, that's why he's saying to God, bless me. Save me. Help me. He's not just wanting another one. Now remember, with the other, with the parent, with the brother, he manipulated the blessing. What is he doing differently now? He's submitting. He's asking humbly. He's not going to steal this one. He's not going to manipulate this one. He's asking for a gift of grace. You see this? He's asking for grace. He's asking for not just mercy. He's asking for grace. And so in this moment, he realizes that. And so the, what, is, what does then Jesus ask? What's the question that you see it on the title screen that we saw? What was the question that he asked him? What, you say it, what is your name? Online, type that out. He, what does Jesus ask? What is your name? When was the last time that we know of Jacob was asked, what is your name? His father, Isaac. He enters in and says, who are you? What is your name? What does Jacob say? It's Esau, dad. He's lying. He's hiding. Identity theft. All those things. But he's pretending before his earthly father. And now he is standing before the son of his heavenly father and given a chance. What is your name? What does he say? Jacob. He was honest before the Lord. 
And he didn't just declare his name because what did I say earlier, guys? What is your name in Hebrew? What does your name reflect? Your nature, your character. So when he says, what is your name? He's not just saying, who are you? What is your name? Oh, my name is Jacob. Jesus is asking him, who are you? What are you? And he was a confession. I'm a cheater. I'm a manipulator. I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. I'm a heel grabber. I'm a sinner. It was a confession of his nature. And that's what is, J- and what is now the Father's, what is Christ's response to his confession of his sinful nature? You will no longer be Jacob anymore from this moment on. You got a new name because you got a new nature. Guys, this is Jacob's conversion story. This is Jacob's transformation. At this moment, Jacob is born again. Why? Because he confessed his faith in the one true, the only one, and he is calling out on the name. And what the scripture says, all who call on the name of Christ will be saved and your sins will be forgiven. And that is what he is doing in this moment. He realized that nothing else matters. Not Esau, not his family, not this, but the condition of his soul. And he's begging him, save me. So, all right, for me to save you, what am I saving you from? His very sin. He confesses his sin, his his need for God. And he says, no longer will your name be Jacob. New name because you got a new nature now. And who gives it? Who declares it? But God. And it says, now it will be Israel. And guys, Israel is a complicated name. It's my name, by the way. It's my, that's my government name. All right. Uh, Tito is the one I go by, but Israel is my government name. And I have always been confused about my name because there's so many meanings to it. I don't know if you've ever looked into that, guys. I don't know. Online, you can probably hear a few. What is the meaning of some of these names? What is the meaning of some of these names? Um, Israel means, uh, one place means uh, God rules. I don't know if you've heard of that one before. And think about that. This is a name that is declaring, I give you my name, Israel. That's the Hebrew for God. And so God gives him a name that says, I rule. That's an inch, that's, a, that's a dominating name. It's like, all right, God, yeah, yeah, you won, right? So I name you. And for God to name him is authority. And so I name you Israel. God rules in your life. I mean, says yes, amen. God also means something else. Uh, Israel means something else. Have you guys ever heard of Israel meaning prince of God? I don't know. Some of you may have heard that one. And what does that mean? Prince of God. And what makes you a prince of the king? But a son. And so now, who was he before? He was an enemy of God. But now, who is he? He is now a child of God. That's what happens when you put your faith and trust in Christ. You go from enemies of God to what? A child of God. And so the other one was an interesting one we see here. Jesus himself says, your name will be Israel. Why? Because you have struggled with God and with men. You've been fighting your whole life and you've won. Now that's the, that's the one that's the most confusing, isn't it? Because if you think about it, he has been, he's been fighting with his parents. He's been, at least with his, with his dad. He's been fighting with his brother. He's been fighting with uh, um, his wives had some issues. His wives were fighting, had issues, fighting with his father-in-law. I mean, dude is just picking fights everywhere he goes. And he's struggling in life, trying to get the best. And every time he levels up, it's not enough. And it's something else. And it's something else. And it's something else. But then God makes this ultimate reveal. You've been fighting me this whole time. Remember 20 years earlier, God opens up his eyes at Bethel. He opens up his eyes and, and it, he doesn't respond yet. 
He has been wrestling with God. God has been trying to show and he's been wanting to, he wants to, he wants to be known. But Jacob has been refusing, suppressing it. I don't want to know it. I don't want to know it. I'm trying to be out here. It's all about me. And he's too selfish to see it. And he realized that I've been fighting God longer than just these couple hours tonight. He makes a you've been fighting me your whole life. And guys, that's something that is all of us. I realized when I had my Jacob moment, when I got my, not my hip knocked out of socket, but when I got the screws knocked back in or whatever that was, when I got hit with that I was a sinner, I started to realize things and like, man, the, why, do, why am I doing all of these things? Why do I want to pursue this career? Why am I acting this way? Why am I pretending at school the way that I am? Because I just wanted to be accepted and loved. You know, when, when me and Alicia were dating in high school, it was great, but at the same time, we did not do well. Why? Because I wanted her to be what only God could be for me. I was looking for people to fulfill and to satisfy what only Christ could. And that's when I realized I had nothing and I had no one else and all I needed was him. And so that was this little moment. And I want us to all recognize and realize, guys, that that's what happens. That you are, for those of you, if you're in a romantic relationship and you want one, I remember even as a little kid, me and my wife were two hopeless romantics and we birthed three boys. We're in trouble. All right? And so that's what we are. And so... I, Guys, the, the desire inside to have a relationship is not wrong. It's not bad. But you got to recognize that you, can, you are not, that person will not fulfill you. Je Rachel could not fulfill Jacob, and Rachel was the top, top notch. Had the girl of his dreams, and it still wasn't enough. And so nothing is enough until Christ is enough. Nothing will be, not your career, not your this, not your accolades, not, nothing is going to be enough. It's going to be like a bad joke that never resolves. It's a story that continues on and doesn't finish. That's what this is. And he realizes that you've been fighting this whole time and now you've won. But how did he win? How did he win? Because you could easily look at this and say, see, what you need to do is you need to, you need to fight for your blessing and you need to tarry and you need to continue on and struggle and hold on until God gives you the blessing he's getting. Mm -mm, time out. That sounds very go get that blessing still, doesn't that? Did God reward Jacob because he did not let go? Did he, re meaning, did he, did he reward Jacob because he earned it? No, no. He did not earn it. He recognized, he received, this was a gift of grace. Jacob is declared the winner by faith. He is declared the winner by his faith in the one he is holding on to, guys. Listen, in, he recognized he lost, and in his losing, that's how he wins. He became an overcomer because he was overcome by Christ. He became more than a conqueror because he was conquered by Christ. Christ. Guys, that's the same thing Paul says to us that we were, we were poor, but now we are rich. We were weak and now we're strong. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we are better than everyone else? No, because we have been overcome by the, the love of Christ. That is what makes us overcomers. And so he is declared a winner by faith, guys, by faith. This is a gift of grace. He could not earn it or deserve it. He was desperate for God and God says, all right, now you're going to get. This is the, and the blessing was eternal life. That was the ultimate blessing that he was going to get. And so Jacob lost when he got hit. But I want you to know that he lost and won. When he got his hip knocked out, he lost. But he won because he did not let go. 
Meaning, in the sense of he put his faith in saying, no, my faith is in you, and I'm not going to stop. Now, Jacob, now God has become the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob at this moment from here on out. But look at Jesus, though. Jesus lost and won, too. In declaring, in declaring him the winner, well, hang in there, watch this. In declaring him the winner, Jacob the winner, what is Jesus declaring of himself? I lost. You win, Jacob. I lost. Even though Jesus lost by declaring Jacob the winner, he won because he just gained a son. He gained a son in the faith. He gained Jacob now. Now, at this point is when Jacob responds. Now, look at how Jacob praised. Let's look at verse 30 and 31. He goes and says, after he was declared and he blessed him. Guys, that phrase blessing means he is brand new saved, born again. That is Jacob. Verse 30, Jacob, his first response after eternal life, after receiving eternal life, was, is it? But to praise God. He says, Jacob then named that place Peniel, for he says, for I have seen God face to face, he said, and yet my life has been spared. You know what that spared means? Saved, salvation. He is declaring, I have been saved. My soul is saved. He didn't just say, whew, that was a close one. God could have God took me out, but he let me slide. That's not what he is saying. He's saying, I have met God face to face. He should have judged me. He should have condemned me. But yet my soul has been spared by his mercy, by his grace. That is what he says there. And then in the next verse, verse 31, the sun now shone on him, meaning the sun has risen. And he passed Peniel limping because of his hip. He has a limp now. And then, uh, oh, I missed I miss something. My bad. In verse, uh, in verse 29, Jacob, after Jesus asked him, what is your name? I'm sorry, I'm going to get you, Joel. He says, please tell me your name, Jacob says. Tell me your name. And he says, oh, why? <laughs> why do I got to tell you my name? And then he blessed him. So that was an interesting phrase because Jesus is not petty. I'm like, listen, stop, all right? I'm already declaring you the winner, all right? You don't need to know anything else, all right? So it, he, Jesus isn't petty that he lost. He's not at all. Because even in ancient times, guys, when, when, you, ex, when you revealed your nature, it's like secret information. That's like giving leverage to your opponent. So when Jacob confessed his name he gave leverage to christ and he submitted to him so now when he said well can i know your name no no <laughs> i was like no i'm not telling you my name but you don't need to know my name for you to have a new nature but he knew who he was and so that was god and so here at this moment what do we see with with him all right he is uh, remember the where he had the wrestling match is called jabbok which is called emptying what was christ doing that whole night he was wrestling Jacob, but he was also wrestling something out of Jacob. It is that real, realization, my bro, you are empty inside unless you need me. Like, and that's the, he had that revelation of how empty he was. He was emptied of all of his strength, emptied of his pride, emptied of all those things, and he came before the Lord broken. And so what does he do? He declares, oh, I've seen God face to face in one. And so now, did you see with the new son, what does that mean? We have a new day. There's a new age now. It's a new stage in his life. He has a new name. He has a new nature. He also has a new walk. He has a little pirate limp now because that little hip, it's a little sensitive now. He has a new walk now. And why? Because now from here on out, he is walking with the Lord. And listen, those, when you, those of you, if you know, when you have an encounter with the Lord, you're never the same. You don't recover from that hit. There is always a little bit of a limp. There's always in the Christian life, there's a limp that you have. Why? Because you have encountered 
Christ. You have encountered the Lord. And if you have a limp, what do you got to rely on in order to walk? Something else, right? Or someone else, all right? Have you ever had twisted your ankle? Anybody here used crutches before? Have you ever heard the phrase, ah, your religion is your crutch? Yeah, but mine's good and yours is not. Mine actually works. We all need to lean on something else. So this is not a bad thing. It is not a bad crutch. He needed a crutch. In fact, years later, guys, you know one interesting thing it says about Jacob? Years later, he's a really old man around the end of his life. The Bible says that he worshipped the Lord while leaning on his staff. Why? My man still had a limp. Guys, you know what worship is? The life of worship is doing nothing but leaning on the cross. Leaning on the Lord your entire life. That's what Jacob did. And so now, here's the interesting thing. All right? He's about to. If you read the rest of the story, he is now going to go face to face with Esau. But he's a different man now. Before, remember the prayer we read earlier? God, rescue me from Esau because I am afraid of him. Jacob was more afraid of Esau than he was of God. And now what do we see? Oh, no. Because he had encountered, because I come and faced, I've met God face to face, I can face my brother now. Guys, when you have an encounter with Jesus, you can face anything in this world. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, there was no promise other than, remember, what was the initial promise? I'm going to bless you, meaning your brother's not going to kill you. You had to, He was operating out of fear. God is telling him, this is the blessing. I will bless you. Boom, he's going to kill me. He's not operating in faith. He's operating out of fear. But now Esau is going to operate in faith. And he's going to face to face his brother. It kind of works out. He doesn't die. It's kind of interesting. You can read the story later on. And then verse 32, though. Look at this. Verse 32, last verse of the story here. It's like a random detail. Oh, but you guys got to learn how to read. Check this out. It says, this is why. Remember, he has a limp now. Yeah, he has a little bit of a giddy, all right? He has a limp. This is why still to today, Moses is writing this in the desert. Moses is writing the book of Genesis. And he's telling them, this is post-Passover, post before the, the, all of this stuff. And he says, it is still to this day that the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is at the hip socket because he, God, struck Jacob's hip socket at the thigh muscle uh, around the sciatic area. So for those with sciatic problems, okay, that's, that's the spot. So Think about that. He, had, he gave him sciatica the rest of his life, okay? That was a kind of, if you know that pain, I've had that pain too. That Jacob has had sciatic pain the rest of his life because of this moment. But, ooh, what, what's happening? What do the Jews not do? They don't eat that part of the Passover lamb. Why? Because of this encounter that God did. Why? Because that area around the hip kind of focuses on the reproductive organs of a person. Remember, what is this whole, the promise of the seed eventually coming in and the Messiah coming through. And so they had this respect of the saying, no, God will fulfill his promise. We are not going to touch that part of the Passover lamb because that's God's to fulfill on his timing. Jesus is the fulfillment of that. And uh, Jesus ultimately fulfills this by switching roles with Jacob. Guys, Years later, many, many years later, Jesus shows up. Now this time as truly God and truly man. 
And in the same way Jacob prepared and prayed and fought and lost and won, Jesus prepared and prayed and fought and lost and won. He prepared for this moment. He knew what his purpose was his entire time, to go and seek and save the lost, to testify to the truth. And so he prepared for this moment, for the moment of him dying on the cross. He knew it. And he everything, everything that he did in his ministry, he fulfilled the law perfectly, perfectly. And then he got to a point where he prayed. And we know this in John 17, where now... In the same way Jacob prayed at the, at the riverbed at night, Jesus is praying in a garden at night. And what is he doing? But he is wrestling with the Lord to say, rescue me and bless me. He, he's saying the same thing. Bless me. But Jesus was saying, Lord, I know I'm about to submit myself to death. And Lord, Father, I pray for myself that you may bless me by raising me up so that we, you could give life to those in my name. And then he prays for the apostles and then he prays for believers. Beautiful prayer in John 17, guys. You got to check it out. And so in, when he's praying all these things, he then goes and he fights. And Jesus fought on the cross for six hours. In fact, three of those hours, he received the full wrath of God for all of our sins. Now remember, when Jesus was fighting Jacob, Jesus was holding back, right? Jesus could have done, but Jesus held back. Well, now Jesus is in the position of Jacob. Jacob is, and the father is not holding back. And the father unleashes the full wrath of, the, of, of, of his fury on Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And Jesus took it all. In fact, Psalms 22 was a prophetic psalm of Jesus. And you know what Jesus says in that declaration? All my joints are out of socket. Not just the hip. All of my joints are out of socket. Jesus is taking Jacob's place in this moment on the cross. And then obviously it looks like Jesus lost because what did he do? He gave up his life. And on the cross, guys, when he died, everyone thought, well, well, the believers, you know, the, there were no believers there. The, the apostles didn't think, all right, guys, he's fine. He'll be here by the end of the week, and don't worry about it. You know, we'll, we'll be sitting here chilling, watching TV, waiting, okay? No one. They thought he lost. The enemy probably thought he won. But in Jesus losing, that's how he won. You see that? Jacob lost, and that's how he won. And so Jesus lost. It looked like he lost, but he didn't. He ended up winning. And then what does, in the same way that Christ declares um, victory over who? Over Jacob. The father now declares Christ the, the victor by raising him from the dead. And what does Jesus do? But now turns around and the same thing and now blesses us. And now gives us the credit for the victory he won and he deserved, right? He beat Jacob, but Jacob was given victory like if he was given credit for it by faith. And how do we overcome sin and death? By doing the same thing Jacob realizes. I am empty and bankrupt, Lord, from everything in front of you. And Lord, I need you. And those who cling to the cross will be saved. They will be saved. And then now God declares you he declares you now an overcomer. He has declared you a victor because you didn't earn it. This was a gift of grace declared by faith. This is who you are in Christ. You have a new nature, a new name in him because of what he has done in your faith in him, guys. And so Jesus fulfills all of these things so that we can be like Jacob. Praise God for we said, man, when you and I come face to face with God, we can say he will spare us. Why? Because he spared his son. And those who put their trust in Jesus also will be. 
So guys, what do we do with all of this now? Which is, by the way, that's how, when you read the Old Testament, guys, you always got to look for Jesus. Because once you see Jesus in the story, then you can see even more how to apply it. And so what do we do with all this to wrap up? What do we do with all this? Well, we see the, the commonality, guys, that salvation and sanctification all happens through submission. You are not, you can only be saved by submitting yourself to Christ. Well, guys, if you are saved in Christ, listen, you got to keep doing that. That's why how many times have we read over the last couple of weeks, submit yourself to the Lord continually. He will exalt you. This is how you resist the devil, by submitting yourself to him. Your sanctification, your growing in the faith happens in the same way you recognize who Christ is continually and you respond so you can receive. Now, what's encouraging for some of you, that night, Jacob, from then on out, Jacob didn't get everything right. We, we can read the story. He makes mistakes still after his salvation. Jacob did not get everything right that night, but that night he was made right. You got it. That night he was made right. And I need to encourage every believer in the room too, because you may think, well, man, I've been saved and, and I still maybe I have this struggle or I still this and I still that. Okay, yeah. But um, you want to remember that God has been, you have been made right in Christ the day that you have put your trust in him. And from there on out, all right, if, you know, again, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, Paul talks about, you know. Remember, you got a limp now. But the problem is that you, if you still are hurting, it's because you're trying to lean on something or someone else that's, that can't hold you up. And now you're all here crying and holding yourself. Why me? And Jesus is like saying, look to me. I'm like, he is. He says, lean on me. Anytime if you're a believer and you are feeling it, it's because you are putting your faith in something else that is not strong enough to hold you up. It is only Christ that can hold you up. It is only him. And so what do we do? Well, guys, I, for every believer here, I would challenge you. This is a bottom line if you can put it up. Is I want you to prayerfully wrestle with the word in the dark. And God will empower you to live in the light. Prayerfully wrestle with the word of God, the truth of God in the dark, and he will empower you. He will empower you to live in the light. That's what we see here. That is what we see here. Now, that is true of a, of a non-believer putting the trust in Christ, but Christian, that's you, man. Listen, this has been a little bit of a wrestling match the last uh, 45, 50 minutes. All right, it's been a long one. All right, running the Royal Rumble match last around that time. All right, this has been a little bit of a wrestling match, wrestling with your, maybe your attention or with your, your, you know, your questions or your this or your that. I know, but see, this is important to be able to look and wrestle with the word because when, listen, God wants to get you all alone sometimes. Jesus waited until Jacob was all alone and he had nothing and no one. And that is when, listen, you can only come to Christ, just you. And you need to have those moments in which it is just you and God. That you are submitting and finding that moment and you are wrestling and with the Lord. And so, guys, when you read the scriptures, don't read just to be informed, all right, with information. No, read until it informs you on the inside. This is not just, okay, well, I know the Bible verse for the day, you know. Like, no, this is bigger than that. It is to know Christ, to know Christ, to know yourself. It's about being mastered by the truth, not mastering it. It's learning to continually submit and surrender yourself to it, being overcome come by it. That is how you are made an overcomer through it. Do you hear me? You are made an overcomer through it when you have been overcome by it. Guys, and, and the reality, what he told Jacob, and like I said earlier, you come, if you can come face to face with God, you can come, you can face anything in this world, but you have to come face to face with not just God, you have to come face to face with you, with who you are. What is your name? What is your nature? Guys, it's very easy even for a Christian 
to still struggle with even remembering just what am I, who am I. It doesn't feel like I'm saved sometimes. Or I don't wonder, I struggle with this and struggle with that. You have to remember what is Christ declared. For all who are in Christ are what? They're saved. What is your name? What is your nature? You have to reflect and understand this. In fact, for if you're a non-believer in the house, and guys, uh, maybe you're, you're that one. You've been, you've been running, and maybe, this, you, maybe you, you felt kind of out or convinced. That sounds like me. I, I'm running to job after job or relationship after relationship. I'm running after, for, after dream and chasing this and chasing that. I'm chasing all of these things. Why? Because I feel like I need something. But you cannot, the, the part of is realizing, guys, that God is chasing you. The thing that you need is found ultimately in him. And so you don't have to chase. All you have to do is submit and to trust and to be able to receive that. And all you do is, guys, you recognize, you repent of your sins and believe. And then God can give you the gracious gift you don't deserve. And that is eternal life so you can be a new believer and a son and daughter of him forever. But Christian, let me get with you. you I got to remind you, you still got a limp. You still got a limp. And everything in this world, the, 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 you know, the enemy is going to want you to lean on something else. Lean on something else so you struggle in your walk. So you can't walk the way that you should and, because you're relying on this. You're relying on that. You're relying on the wrong things instead of Christ and his word. You know, it, it's not a coincidence when every time we see a, 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 a retreat of this, when this is dimmed in your heart, when, the, when your relationships in your community inside of the church, when those dim so does the walk, doesn't it? Doesn't the walk get a little harder? I've felt that. It gets a little darker too, doesn't it? Because the light is dimming. The light dims inside. And so guys, you need to continue that and recognize because you do have a limp, you have to lean on the Lord and there is nothing, nothing else. There's nothing else that can stand. In fact, Jesus, talking about praying at night, I'm going to read this for you. You don't have it. Last verse. Look what Jesus declares. And he says in 17, verse 26, I made your name. Remember what we were talking about earlier. What is your name? What is your name? And Jacob asked him, what is your name? Well, now Jesus declares, I have made, Father, your name known. They know who you are. They know your nature. Oh, and they're going to find out when, I'm, when I die and am risen from the dead. I have made their name known and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. Guys, that last one was an interesting one. Do you know that God wants to, you to continue to grow in the knowledge of who he is? Once you stop growing, once you stop knowing, you stop growing, and everything else kind of falls out of place. But I want you to know where you and I are in the story of Jacob. Guys, I know in the story, there was a new day, new age, new stage, new walk in life. That hasn't happened for us yet. When the sun returns, when the sun rises and the dawn happens, that is speaking of when Christ returns. You know what Jacob was doing on his way? You know where he was? Heading to the promised land. But Jacob could not enter the promised land until he put his faith in the one true God. He, was not, he could not enter into the promised land until he had a new nature, until he had a new name, until he put his faith in the one making the promise. He could not enter in. Guys, our, our day hasn't arrived yet. And we are going to face an Esau. We are going to face a judge. Esau was going to stand as judge, and Esau let it all go. And if you are in Christ, you will stand before God, our judge, and he will declare us not guilty because of our faith in Christ. But what does that mean? If the day has not come, and th then what does it mean? That means we still got a limp. And so what did Jacob do? 
he didn't let go. It was still dark, and he didn't let go. Guys, we still live in a dark world. And Christian, don't let go. Don't let go. Hold on to him. Everything in you is going to be, no, let me, maybe let me grab this, and it's just going to pull you away from the only one. Do not let go. And if you have let go and you find yourself letting go, Christ has never let go of you. Because when you have put your trust in him, you are his forever. You are his. You may not feel it. You might not experience the joy of that salvation. But if you have placed yourself in the hands of God, his grip don't slip. He just wants you to look to him, to hold him continually until that day happens. Guys, you and I have a limp and we need to hold on to the Lord. That is the only way he can, we can be held up.